As I mentioned before, Pastor Ross is out, and uh, we have a very special speaker. You probably know him. His name is Pastor Jonathan. Isn't he a special guy? Yeah. All right, let's give him a round of applause. Come on up, Pastor Jonathan. Well, good morning. So excited to see you all this morning, and I've been anticipating this moment for a day and a half. So I'm ready. I'm ready for this. Are you ready to get into the Word? Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Colossians chapter 1. And amazingly, we're going to go through the whole book. Just kidding. Just kidding. We're just going to take two verses today. Isn't that wonderful? All right, let's, let's pray as you guys are getting situated here. Heavenly Father, we just rejoice in you. We thank you, Jesus for becoming our, our redeemsman, kinsman redeemer. Lord, we thank you so much that you have given us new life, that you have brought us into a right relationship with God the Father. And Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, today, through your word, God, that you'd speak through this frail person, Lord God, and speak the words of truth that gives life to us all. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that as we read it, you would also read our hearts and our intentions this morning. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So you probably are aware of this man. He has been in the news for quite some time now. He is um, very famous and he is very young. And no, it's not me. <clears throat> but he is the CEO of a company that you all use. I'm sure you're all familiar. So go ahead and put that picture up there. Yes, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg. Let me just tell you that his net worth right now is $69.4 billion. I am really jealous. <laughs> I want to wipe that smile right off of him, don't you? <laughs> and you know, honestly, we live in a world and a society where it is about the more. It's about the wanting the more. Have you ever stopped to ask yourself this question, how did I get so many clothes? How come I can't get through the garage? And if you're like me, you are a red-blooded American. We have grown, we've drawn very close to being comfortable with the constant itch for the better and the new improved. You may be on friendly terms with your neighbor until he drives up with his new Tesla or his new MK, MKS. And you stop and think, you're, think to yourself, just one day I'll own a Tesla for every day of the week. <laughs> Yet if we're absolutely honest with ourselves. We say, I want more, but what we're really saying is, I covet. The commercials on our screens flash 
buy this. You need the latest in this. You'll save your marriage when you come home with a four pound diamond. I'm, I'm being very humorous this morning, but haven't we had that programmed into our mind since we were kids? That constant 30 second blurb that says to us, you don't have enough. Some of us may be here this morning and it may kind of go into our spiritual life too as well. We, we may have been Christians all of our life. We may have had that great opportunity given to us of someone leading us to Christ and we're so excited about Jesus and we are so on fire for God. And then somewhere in between that point and now, we sit here and say, I'm coming to the same church, I'm coming to the same seat, I'm listening to the same thing over and over and we're not satisfied. We have to say there has to be another experience. There has to be more. In my life, I was raised in a Pentecostal environment. And so the more was always there. There's always more of an experience with the Holy Spirit. But what I've noticed from the scriptures and as we look at Colossians chapter one this morning, we will know that we have more than enough. We already have everything that we need in Christ. I know it's very simple, but even you may even struggle with putting a question mark on Jesus's more this morning. And I pray as we go into this that you may come and remove that question mark and actually replace it with an exclamation point. So for the next few moments, I wanna look at, look at these two verses in Colossians chapter one, and let's read that together. You can have that up on the screen. And what it is, is it's actually a prayer that Paul is praying to the people in Colossae. And so we're kind of jumping into the midsection of it. And it says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So let me give us, get us up to speed this morning. The apostle Paul is writing to the believers in a city called Colossae. Paul has never met them because he is in prison. He spoke in Ephesus and preached the gospel. And there was one young man named Epaphras who got saved. And he took that gospel and he returned to his hometown of Colossae. And they began a church. Colossae is very beautiful. I won't go through all of the dynamics here, but if you can picture Hawaii, it's very much that kind of feel. There's volcanic rock there, and then it's just absolutely gorgeous. And it's in between the east and west, between Ephesus and the river Euphrates. So it was a trade route. So it was constantly, uh, there was a lot of people in there. But what Paul is confronting is these false teachers these false teachers that we've heard from Pastor Ross before called Gnostics. And these Gnostics came in and they said, Jesus isn't enough. That you can have more of an experience with God. These were later called the Gnostics that we, we are looking at right now. They were broadcasting a message, you need more. And what they were doing was they were bringing deception and doubt into the faith of the believers. 
If we look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 4, Paul addresses their deception. He says, I tell you so that no one will deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. They were deceiving them. They were pulling the wool over their eyes. They were enticing them to doubt the complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross. They were also pretending to be high rollers, but their intent was to rob and pillage, much like we would look at the pirates of the early days. Just a few verses later in verse 8, we see Paul wants to these pirates to be known and to be caught. And he says to them in verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. And again, in verse 18, we see that these tricksters were saying Jesus isn't enough for salvation. And he tells these beloved people, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Have you ever felt disqualified in your faith? Then you've been prone to receive that, that type of deception. This simply means that they were stealing Christians' hope. And let me tell you that if someone steals your hope, then you will grab, gravitate towards anything else, anything else that has any type of concrete evidence, and yet it, it comes far less than what you already have. If someone steals your hope, if someone takes away the hope and the foundation of our faith, Jesus Christ, then our natural tendency as humans will gravitate towards something to keep us afloat. And I pray that this morning, you will return back to the lifeboat called Christ. What we have here is, and we're gonna give this if for you who are taking notes, and you're taking notes because you're saying, hey, Pastor Ross, uh, Jonathan was going off, and he was going crazy. But no, if you are taking notes, we are going to deal with the three eyes this morning. Three eyes. Number one, inheritance. We have been given an inheritance. Number two, we have been given an identity. And number three, we have been given innocence. These are all found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He has given us an inheritance with the saints. He has given us an identity. You are a new creation in Christ. And he's given us a new innocence. We can stand before our loving Heavenly Father without guilt or condemnation or any type of accusations. One of my favorite movies, or there was three movies that I enjoyed when I was a kid. And I'm 44, so I'm going to go back a little bit in time. But if you remember The Jungle Book, who here enjoyed the jungle book yeah how about the musical annie raise your hand and how about oliver twist okay now i didn't recognize this until i was a little bit older but there are even though they're so starchly opposite and different in stories they have one theme running through them don't they orphans right orphans and the reason why it gravitated in my mind and my heart is that, as you probably know from my testimony, my father passed away when I was three. And my mother worked so hard to try to make ends meet. 
and she was also getting her master's degree in psychology. So a lot of my childhood was spent alone. Latchkey kid coming in and the TV was my tutor. And so I naturally gravitated towards this thing, but you know, as humans, we all do the same thing because it is in our nature. It's in our fallen nature. If you remember Genesis chapter three, we have that great story of how God created the heavens and the earth and how he created man and woman in his image. And yet we see that the serpent was more crafty than any other animal. And he came in and said, did God really say? He was tempting them with the same thing that the Gnostics were giving to these folks in Colossae. He was telling them that they need to provide for themselves, that they need to glorify themselves, and that they need to protect themselves. And if you have been in any type of company or you've been a CEO of a company, you know that those are the three things that you deal with. You try to preserve yourself with food, clothing, cars, whatever. You try to glorify yourself with your resume and you protect yourself from lawsuits. This is a natural thing, right? It's a natural thing. We as humans live in a state of orphan. And yet God wanted to bring us back into right relationship with himself. Now the apostle Paul writes out this prayer to the Colossians and he addresses how Jesus has fulfilled all of these needs. Let me say that again, all of these needs. Look at verse 12 with me. Giving thanks or giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. Let me ask you, why are we to give thanks? Why are we to give thanks? Simply because of our heavenly Father has qualified us to be in him. Galatians 4, 6 says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. God has given us his spirit so that we, instead of looking at God as the policeman, instead of looking at him as the joy kill, we look at him as our father in heaven. This is the eighth wonder of the world. We can call God daddy. We can call him daddy. And because we can call him daddy, he has given us everything we need for life and godliness in Christ. Remember, if you remember this great debate, and this is one of my favorite debates in the Bible, John chapter eight, where Jesus is debating against the Pharisees. Do you remember that? Do you remember how they were jabbing at his birth? Oh, we know our father. As opposed to you, Jesus, we're not really sure. Jesus comes back with the truth of their true identity. And he says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. What Jesus has done so greatly is that he has brought us out of that bondage to slavery to sin, 
and he's brought us into the inclusion of being a part of the family. That means you can put your spiritual feet up in the Lord's house. That means that you can rest assured that your heavenly father is gonna provide for every one of your needs. He's gonna take care of you. And some of us struggle with trusting God and yet not trusting him with our money, our time, our relationships. But I ask you, who is our father in heaven? Who has brought us into right relationship? It is amazing father that we can call daddy. He has not left us out in the cold. He didn't leave us on the streets begging for bread. We don't have to keep up with the Joneses anymore because we are included into the family of God. Why wouldn't we give thanks? That is what the Holy Spirit is telling us through Paul's prayer. You have an inheritance, one that doesn't rust, doesn't fade, doesn't run out of memory. It doesn't let us down. We don't get foreclosed on. So God has given us that. But also what has he done in in verse 12 again? He's qualified you to share. So let me ask you this. What does our Heavenly Father have? Everything. Everything. Psalms 24.1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live in it. God also tells us silver and gold is mine. What do I have need of? Nothing. God has no need of anything because he owns everything. And he's also given us Jesus. And what does Jesus own? Everything. Jesus owns everything. The gold bars in the Federal Reserve. He owns your car. Hopefully tonight, today he owns your life. What does Romans 8, 17 tell us? Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Who do we share with also? He says the inheritance of the saints. That means you That means me. That means those great godly men and women who've passed before us. The ones that have finished their race well. We are inherited. We have inheritance with those. Jesus is enough. He is enough. He's more than enough. So why do we need another coffee maker? Why do we need more shoes? Ladies. Well, I know some men actually do have a lot too. How about clothes? Why do we need those? It's like telling a, let me give you an example. It's like telling a billionaire, how would you like to buy the mansion you already own? God has given you everything and yet Satan comes in and he twists that information and says, you don't have enough in Jesus. You don't have enough. We not only have an inheritance in God's kingdom, but we also have an identity. Verse 13 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. 
The word he mentioned here is an antecedent, which causes us to look back to who he is. The he here is God the Father. And what has he done? He has delivered us. Now let me tell you, if you look throughout all of your Bible, you will notice that there are only a few mentions of God's creation. Genesis, of course, Proverbs, some Psalms. But the full amount of the Bible is loaded with scriptures that have to do with deliverance, have to do with God rescuing his people, delivering his people out of bondage to slavery. We look at, at our major, major thoughts as Moses. We see that he was, God used him to deliver the people from the bondage of slavery to Egypt into the promised land. And notice all throughout the Old Testament, whenever it mentions God's people, it says, my children. God wants relationship with his people. He wants relationship with you this morning. He wants relationship with me. He wants me and you to trust him with a new identity. So what has he rescued us from? Look again there. It says, from the dominion of darkness. Paul's mission, Paul's mission from Jesus was to do just that. We do have a scripture there, Acts chapter 26. We're going to look at that this morning. This was Paul's mission statement. I, he says that Jesus, this is, I is Jesus. I will rescue you from your, from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. This is again a theme throughout the Gospels, pulling people from the darkness and bringing them into the light, bringing them from death's door and into life's eternity. This is the calling for all of us, the Gospel, the good news, to bring forth the message that God has brought his own son into this world, not that the world is condemned by him, but that they may be saved by him. He has rescued us. So he brought us means, that, that word there, brought us, means to be removed. If you guys are a Star Trek fan, an old school Star Trek, you remember Captain Kirk. And I told, I told them that I wouldn't do this, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> Spock, I'm wondering where I am. <laughs> Beam me up, Spotty. Right? He says that. Whenever you saw um, Captain Kirk going through a hard time, he was fighting some alien and it was ripping his shirt, you know, and, and he was just like, you know, I need some help. He would always pull out his cell phone and say, Beam me up, Scotty. And I don't have the power. <laughs> it's very much like our old nature. This is exactly what the Bible is using here to being rescued or delivered from the kingdom of darkness. It means that the old nature that we once lived in, the, our old um, characteristics, our old traits, our old orphan thoughts, when we were around the water cooler at, at work, 
when we were saying those comments about a coworker, when we were laughing inappropriate at jokes, we don't need to do that anymore. We don't need to do that because we have been transported into a new identity. It's not that we don't want to sin. It's that we don't have to. With Christ, we don't have to. Let me put it to you this way. When you receive a new computer, the system gives you everything that is needed to function with the software. We don't operate on the same frequency as an AM channel anymore. We are in high-def Wi-Fi with Christ, if you know what I'm saying. God has taken us from that old, beaten-down, you know, 1967 Chevy and brought us into a Lincoln MKS. He's, he's done such a work in us. He has given us a new identity. And that's exactly what Paul is trying to compel his audience to remember. That you have been given a new identity in Christ. You have been given a new nature in Christ. You don't have to sin. And praise God, he gives us the ability to not want to anymore. Because remember, when we were in our old nature, we spent night and day waking up, wondering what is the best way to do what I want to do without getting busted. And now that we're saved, we wake up night and day saying, God, please help me with this area that I'm tempted in. Please help me to stop doing what I used to do. It's, it beca it's because God has given you a new heart and he's given you a new spirit and he's put his spirit into you, and he's given you a new identity. So we have a new identity. We don't need to exalt ourselves anymore. We can rock, walk around in peace, not in pieces. The main point, as you'll probably hear me say again and again, is Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. So he has given us a new inheritance. He has given us a new identity, but he has also given us a new innocence. Look at verse 14. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The most powerful part of this prayer. Redemption means the release on payment of a ransom for slave or a debtor. And we were once slaves to sin, and because of that, we fight to justify our sins and to cover over our sins. But now because of Christ and what he did on the cross and his shed blood on our behalf to make atonement for us, he has given us the victory over that. Reminds me, in 1991, I was a part of a missionary group and we went to Brazil and we spent about a month and a half there doing street evangelism. And it was such a wonderful time, an experience of growth for me, because I'd never been outside of the States. And I remember this one time I was given the opportunity to give my testimony and to preach the gospel. And they told us that these children were going to come from an orphanage and that I was to share a message that had to do with them. So I went to David and Goliath. 
and I, I, you know, I had it all thought up in my head. I thought, okay, I'm going to share about David and Goliath. I'm going to tell them about, you know, the power of, of God and how David just used a stone and killed a Goliath giant. And so as we're going through this, I also had to wear makeup. I'm sorry. Hey, I had to be a clown. I'm sorry. I hate clowns, but I had to be one. So the first thing that you have to do when you, when you get on your clown uniform is you put on talcum powder, right? So that the makeup can easily come off. And so I remember putting the talcum powder on and accidentally breathing it in. So I couldn't talk. <laughs> and I told, and I, I thought, man, this is a perfect excuse. I don't want to get up and, and share, you know, I'll just tell them I can't breathe. I can't talk. So I, I told my leader, I said, I, I can't talk. You know, I, I swallowed. Really? And I was, I was really milking it, you know. I was doing the puppy eyes, you know, just please feel bad for me. And, and he said, well, you have a translator. You could just whisper to him. I'm like, come on. So I get ready to share. I said, okay, I have to do this. I get the makeup off and I get ready to share. And I get up and all of the children have left. And all that's left is business people, older people standing around. And I thought, oh, this is just a recipe for disaster. I'm going to talk about a kid's story with adults. Great. But as I began to share David and Goliath, God gave me the unction that, that the rock that David threw at him was Jesus and destroyed the Goliath who is death. And it, I don't know how it happened. I just, I just did it. And I, I said, who is man enough or woman enough to come up here and accept Christ? And there was this lady who came up. She was dressed very, very nicely, a young lady, probably in her mid-20s, came up. And here's what was so hard was I don't speak Portuguese, but I do speak a little Spanish. My translator doesn't understand English. But she knows Spanish. So I said, Lord, please give me the gift of tongues. Please help me to be able to speak in Spanish so that she can understand, so she can translate it to Portuguese. So she begins to do that. And amazingly, God orchestrated it perfectly. Well, here's what happened. This girl that gave her life to Christ was a call girl. She was waiting for her next client. And she heard the children on the street, laughing. And she said in her mind, I wish I had my innocence back. And she said, when you called me and told me to come to Jesus Christ, I knew that with Jesus, I could have my innocence back. And I prayed with her and she put her faith in Christ Jesus. And she was given at that moment the innocence she was so desiring that she needed. And I say that this morning because I know that some of you are riddled with shame. You've spent your life with a heavy yoke and burden of the troubles that you were in, of the lifestyle that you once had. And this passage says, in whom we have that is present tense, redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That means if you put your faith in Christ Jesus, you have 
everything you need in Jesus. You have your innocence back. You no longer have to look over your shoulder. You no longer have to call up the probation officer. You no longer have to keep those things a secret because Jesus has washed it all away. And your Father in heaven has accepted you into the beloved. And when he looks at you this morning, he sees not a sinner, but he sees a redeemed soul that is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That means that you have everything that you need in Christ. God forgives us of our past. He forgives us of our present, and he forgives us of our future sins. The gospel declares to the, to the powers that be that, that would accuse us, namely Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren, that the work of the cross was a finished work, that when we believe in Jesus Christ, all of our sins are forgiven. We don't need to daily come to Jesus and say, please, God, forgive me. We say, Lord, I did it again. I'm sorry, but I give it to you, and I thank you for the blood of Christ that washes me again. The cross gave us a new covenant, not etched in stone, but etched in the heart of you who are sitting here this morning. You've been given a new covenant, as Hebrews 9, 11 through 12 says, but Christ becoming a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that means not of, this, not of a building, neither by the blood of goats, nor of calves, but by his own blood, he entered into the holy place one time, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So let me tell you, what else do you need this morning? If you are here and you don't have Christ, then the invitation is open, that you can have a heavenly father who will include you in all of his thoughts. He, he thinks of you constantly. The Bible says that you are on his mind constantly, that you, in, in Psalms 139, he says, you search me and you know me. You know my rising and my, seat, my sitting down. You know my thoughts from afar. That means God the Father is obsessed with you. He loves you that much. And he loves you that much that he would offer up his only begotten son, that whosoever should, should call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You also have an, a new identity. So if you're here struggling back and forth, kind of bipolar spiritually with your old life and your new life, then you need to acknowledge that you were, as we're going to be looking at in, in, the, in our time of the baptism, that your old life has been buried with Christ and you have been risen with new life in Christ. And finally, if you're here and you're battling with struggles, with temptations, with hardships, with shame and guilt and condemnation, then you have a new innocence which is found in that precious offering of Jesus Christ. This morning, I, I, I wanna leave you with something very simple. I'm, I'm not gonna be long. In fact, I'm done. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> for your sake and mine. <laughs> but praise God because I want you to hold fast to the three eyes this morning. I want you to think about what Christ has done because every time the enemy will try to bring in doubt 
discouragement, or disappointment, you bring them back to the eyes. I have a new inheritance. I have a new identity. And I have my innocence back. Let's pray. Father, it is so, so good, God, to call you Father. It is so wonderful, Lord, that we can look at these two verses, Lord, and see the depth of your love for us. Father, we thank you that you have begotten us by faith. That, Lord, it is a step away from the darkness that we once lived in. And now, Lord, we have stepped into the light of your Son. And, Lord, for your beloved saints here this morning, Lord, if there's anything that they can take home, God, it is simply that Jesus is enough. He is more than enough for me. He's more than enough for the world. And God, I pray that if anyone here is struggling in their own shame and guilt and condemnation, that today they would acknowledge in their mind and their heart that, Lord, you have given them innocence through the shed blood of Jesus. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for the work of the cross. Lord, may we, may, may we proclaim the beauty and the majesty of that wonderful work 2,000 plus years ago on our behalf and on behalf of the world. God set us free. May we walk in that peace. May we walk in that assurance this morning, knowing that we are found in you and that we can step boldly into your throne room at any time, offering up prayers and petitions. And Lord, you hear us because we are your children. Lord, deliver those who are here today, this morning, God, who have not put their faith and trust in you. I pray that today would be the day. Now is the day of salvation for them. I pray that they would call upon you, Jesus, that they'd turn from their sin, Lord, and they'd turn to God and seek after his righteousness. Holy Spirit, fill your church up. May we be a demonstration of your love to a world that is in desperate need of the more. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to The Rock Podcast. Our regular services are held on Wednesday nights at 6.30 and Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.